Welcome to Get Your Rocks Off with Mick Wall, the world's leading rock and metal writer. Each fortnight, Mick will unpack rock and roll stories. Stories that you probably won't find in print. So pour yourself a Jack and Coke and get ready to get your rocks off. If you're enjoying Get Your Rocks Off, you should check out Battle of the Bands, a narrative podcast also produced by No Filter Media that looks at some of the biggest feuds in music. Season one takes us inside the decades-old rivalry between Megadeth and Metallica and features a special encore episode with Mick Wall himself. You can find Battle of the Bands at nofilter.media forward slash battle or wherever you listen to podcasts. And with that, here's Mick and John for another hard-hitting episode of Get Your Rocks Off. Okay, uh, welcome to another startling episode of Get Your Rocks Off. I'm, I'm pausing a bit because I'm looking at my computer screen and something is a different colour. I'm just going to stop it, John. Okay. Okay, we've started again and it's still a different colour. But we're going to carry on. Now, honestly, it's fine. It's what he said last time with the whole episode <laughs> that we can no longer <laughs> air. No, that was down to human error. Which, human error, that's right, Which yeah. is... Uh, you know, another name for you. <laughs> e- even though I appear I, to be, I in talked wrong. <laughs> you learned. You learned me wrong. Yeah, you learned me wrong. Yeah. So anyway, another episode of Get Your Rocks Off. I'm Mick Wall. Uh, he's John Hotton. And today, John, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about the monsters of rock. The monsters the, of rock. The literal. Monsters of Rock Festival. Yeah, which Festival. originated... Castle Donington. At Castle in Donington in... in Every uh, rock fan of a certain era and age will know of which, what we speak in this country. If you're not in this country, quite frankly, you know, <laughs> no, no. think of your own festival. <laughs> the nearest one to you. They haven't got one. They've never had a festival. They've never had one no. like this. Not like the Monsters of Rock. Right, well... Not uh, in the middle of a... <laughs> Car racing circuit in, the, in in what's known as in the Midlands of England. The Midlands of England, which, which, which is in the middle, the middle which is basically why the they of, chose it. Middle of nowhere. It's why they chose it. It's That's a, why the they confluence chose it. of motorways is why they chose that location. To get facts to get to get the noise away from God fearing people as yes. far as possible. Yes, and to enable the northern hordes to get there as easily as the southern softies. That's right. The northern yeah. hordes would, would set come off over on the, the wall. They set off in winter. They'd start. <laughs> <laughs> they'd start in midwinter. Yeah. We planning. ride. We <laughs> ride tomorrow. We ride at first light. Yes. Yes. We ride at about eight <laughs> fifteen. Yeah. Because we want to stop at the services. <laughs> Get some fucking beer. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So uh, it is world famous, um, but. I love it when you were saying Monsters of Rock um, because that's obviously what it was. But in the years I went, I wasn't at the first few. The first one I went to was in 84. Right. And then I went every year. um, I want to say 91, but I don't know if I was there in 91. But every year, you know. Yeah. 
and it became one of those things. Um, it was like going on your holidays. I mean, you just that's yeah. what you did in the summer. Yeah. But even though it was the Monsters of Rock Festival, that wasn't how we talked about it, was it? No. We used to go. You going to Donington? Donington. Are you going to Donington? I remember yeah. on Kerrang! magazine in '88 when Iron Maiden headlined. Our front cover the week before Donington was a picture of. See, I'm saying it now. It was a picture of Bruce Dickinson uh, as if he was hitchhiking on a. That's right. I up remember a sign that now, saying Donington. Donington. Yeah, I might have even said Donington or bust. That was it. Donington yeah, or bust. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It didn't say Monsters of Rock. No, it didn't because it was just known as Donington. It was just known as Donington. Yeah, and Donington is. We, I was being slightly facetious, but it is a motor racing circuit. It is. That's what it is. Well, it, it was you, very famous. Yeah. Uh, still well, is, I guess. Not to yeah. me. I don't know anything about no. motor racing. No, I've never yeah. even heard of that before. But, <laughs> no. uh, no, but fuck that. And, and the festival was in the field that's in the middle of the circuit. So the, if you can imagine, the, the racetrack goes in a kind of roughly oval shape. And the field in the middle, the grass bit in the middle, was where the festival was. Do you know what? I never realised Where that. did you think it was? <laughs> Just in a fucking field somewhere, you know. <laughs> And I'll tell you for why, because those first Because you used to be helicoptered in. (laughs) Here he comes. The first few bands were already played. He wouldn't have seen them because he wouldn't have heard of them. You know, he wouldn't know who they were. Magnum or someone, you know, he didn't know who they are. The helicopter comes in, it's drowning out Kingdom of Madness or whatever it is Magnum are playing. Yeah. Oh, we're from Birmingham. (laughs) Magnum, thank you very much. While dropping, he, while dropping uh, bottles of piss on the, the stage. <laughs> for the kids Kip. to throw at the stage. Uh, now, yeah, that's exactly. ready. That, now, you talk about your holidays. Donington, to my memory, was always, always, always the week before the other great festival experience, which we always used to call Reading Rock. Reading Rock was on, was on the bank holiday, August, August oh, bank yeah, holiday, it was wasn't it? Because it went three days. It yes. went sat- Friday, Saturday, yes. or Saturday, Sunday, Monday, something Friday, like that. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Something no, like that. Maybe yeah. it went into the Monday or it was good because no, the Monday was, you had yeah. the Monday off or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But the week before was the Monsters of Rock. And they were slightly competing because although Reading became this sort of ridiculous indie thing, in back in the day, it was called Reading Rock, and it was a rock festival. Mm. So you had two big rock festivals, the, the two big rock festivals. Well, I think one of the reasons Donington came into existence and, and then became popular was the fact that Reading Festival uh, had become somewhat diluted to rock tastes at a time when new wave music, punk yeah, because they used to. I mean, when you say diluted, what, what happened was they used to have people like the Stranglers, right? So that was diluting it. You know, <laughs> I don't want to see the Stranglers. I want to see, you know, real men. Yeah, I want to see Anvil and yeah, yeah you yeah. know, what that lot called Chariot, Chariot, Chariot. I want to see Chariot and Dumpy's Rusty Nut, Stallion. Yeah, I want to see those Stallions guys. on the highway. Fuck I want to off see with them. your Stranglers. Stranglers. Fucking stranglers. Jesus Christ. Girl Who wants music. to see them? That's a good what I the original girl band. Yeah. The Stranglers. Who wants to see them? Not me. <laughs> well, Reading, because at that time in British music as well, there was it it was um they were like opposing tribes, really. Yeah. The rock and metal crowd yep. hated the new wave audience, and the new wave audience looked at with disdain. Mm. At uh, Rainbow, uh, or you know, groups like I mean, I think 
Rainbow did what the first ever first. We should we should, when we did our extensive research for just this now episode, on the phone. Yes, we should have looked <laughs> up who was at the first Donington and when it took place. I think it was 1980. It was, and I think Rainbow were the headliners with Graham Bonnet was their singer at the time. Absolutely, because right. I remember the story. This was the gig, was it not, where uh, Richie Blackmore had. St- Strictly instructed Graham Bonnet not to have his hair cut because he looked like, you know, you already look like a kind of uh, like the kind of guy who'd go to Reading Rock on the wrong day. (laughs) That's what Graham, but he had great set of pipes, you know. I want to love you. He he was a great singer, but he did great singer, great bloke. um, He looked like he was on a, you know, cans of hairspray. Yeah, he looked like a bloke on a can of hairspray. He, He looked like someone that worked in an office. But was always hanging out with the ladies. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. that kind of guy. Give it to Jim yeah. in accounts. Yeah. Oh, Who, that Jim the, in the, accounts. He wears weekend, those bright shirts. Weekend rocker. Weekend yeah. Rocker. Bonnet went out and got his hair cut, and Blackmore didn't see it until Bonnet arrived on stage, and Bonnet could feel the hatred. Yeah. The hatred of the glare. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he, he was sacked not, not long after. He did the yeah. one album, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Because the, uh, then, then someone with proper hair <laughs> in the form of Joe Lynn Turner. <laughs> proper hair bought from a very expensive <laughs> With his shop. own money. Pay Along good, with his eyebrows. Yeah, paid good money for that hair. But again, a great singer. Two, two oh, great fantastic. singers. Really good singer. I surrender. I surrender. No one can sing that high except for Joe Lynn Turner. You need to be called Lynn to get up that high. I tell you what, Joe Lynn Turner, do you remember him and Ingve Malmsen? Yeah, I do. Did an King album Vey, as we called him. Oh, the greatest Ingve story is when Dave Reynolds was doing a phoner with him. Go on. <laughs> Dave Reynolds, this this was on the Raw magazine, which we mentioned last time. Raw magazine was Kerrang's sister magazine. <laughs> Me and Mick worked there big not so briefly. We were the big sisters. And uh, twisted Dave, Dave Reynolds is interviewing Kingve on the phone. And Ingve had this ridiculous sort of Swedish-American accent and <laughs> thought he was far bigger than he was. And Ingve's doing his, oh, you will have played 15 guitars. And I, you know, did 60, was just like Beethoven. Just hears this noise. And then Dave's going, Ingve, Ingve, are you still there? Eventually he picks up the phone and he goes, I fell in the pool, man. <laughs> <laughs> fell off his sun lounger like the beached whale he was off his sun lounger straight into the pool who hasn't that happened he to was probably that? at the sunset marquee but like you know in the in the after it was the sunset marquee no, i bet he was at the highest probably on, he, he the, pool, the, on, the, cheapo, on the roof down the road, on, on the, the, roof, the roof yeah pool. and everyone was laughing ha 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 <laughs> Anyway, Jolene yeah. and Ingve did an album. Did together. you? Do, I never ever met Jolene Turner. Did Did you call him Joe or did you call him Jolene when you spoke to him? Ooh, um, I think just Joe. Right. I yeah. think just Joe. But yeah. it was when I was doing. That's always a stupid question. Like you didn't call Ronnie Ronnie James. Here comes Ronnie James. <laughs> hey, Ronnie, sounds like the Waltons. Ronnie James. <laughs> um. Hey, Ronnie James. Yeah. Meet Joe Lynn. That was one of the greatest misprints. I know we're going off topic. One of the greatest misprints of all time in the Evening Standard when uh, 
uh, Dio were on the tube. The, oh the yeah, tube, I was the tube show. Yeah. the other day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the Craig evening, Goldie. in the Evening Standard, it said the Ronnie James duo. <laughs> <laughs> You can see some sub-editor who doesn't know anything about music. He's going, Ronnie James Dio. No, 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 no. The Ronnie James Duo. Probably a jazz Yeah, outfit. Yeah, jazz. Yeah, I'd, nice. have paid to, I'd have paid to see them. Yeah, the Ronnie James Duo. And tonight we've got the Ronnie James Duo <laughs> with their new uh, triple live album yeah. recorded in a bar in Tokyo. <laughs> yeah. And it's called... Comanche. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. <laughs> the Ronnie James Dio. Anyway, so Joe can, I, <laughs> can I tell my fucking Yngwie story? and Joe, for God's sake. Ingve and Joe do an album together. It's got to be like 87, 88. I can't remember what the bloody hell it was called. In my mind, it was called Rainbow Rising. But clearly, no, clearly, no, no, no. In your adult mind. No, in my mind, that's what it was called. But obviously that isn't what it was no. called. I don't know what it was called, you know. I don't know what it was called. Look it up. Anyway, um, it was a fantastic record. I reviewed it. And this was one of your most famous reviews that became because somehow it got five out of five and no one could fathom why. Really? Do you remember it? I was, was massively controversial. It came into the office. This was this was in Mick Wall's LA period, <laughs> right? No one had seen him for seven months. Is the, is he still alive? Copy's still coming. I'd fallen in. in the pool. You, you'd been locked in the cupboard with poison. It was that era. It was that era. Are you so you remember and, this? And the, no one did. No one even knew why you were reviewing Infame Malmsteen. You didn't review albums. You reviewed one album a year. Iron Maiden, because, you know, as, yeah. as we mentioned before, Rod, good yeah, Rod, your old meat, gave me, you the tape of it before everyone else. Yeah. But you didn't review Yngwie Malm. Yngwie Malmsteen was... It was something rising, wasn't it? Yeah, it was rising. Circus rising. Maybe it was just called rising. Rising. Rising like rainbow. That. Yeah, something yeah. like that. But um, then the review came and like, why is Mick War reviewed? Why is he giving it five out of five? Because it was a fantastic this, record. The suggestion was <laughs> payola of some form. Good Lord. I, I'm personally yeah. outraged yeah. that you would even yeah. mention... Not me. Not me. In, oh, no, me clearly saying that. No, no, it was no. people. Oh. People, people. said. People. Yeah, people. Someone told me. I've been got to. They've yeah. got to me. They've got to you. Yeah. No, that no, was I, the thought. I, I probably was because I was just completely addled, but I, I really <laughs> didn't like that record. You thought it was Guns N' Roses. Someone said, you put the new Guns N' Roses on, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> that's Rises, Roses. Yeah, Roses. Same, that's how it happened. That's, that's how what it happened. happened. Rising Force, that's what it was Rising called. Rising Force. Yes. Well done. Thank you. You see, I was still nearly there. there. I was still nearly there. there. What a monumental what an album. album that so was. So memorable, we've just remembered what it was called. But, the, you know, it was a super group. It was a genuine <laughs> super group with Joe Lynn Turner on, on vocals yeah. and Yngwie Malmsteen. The, yeah. the, Yngwie J. Malmsteen. In, oh, yeah, Yngwie J. Malmsteen yeah. and Joe L. Turner. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, a, a, a tremendous record. And... Uh, <laughs> I gave it a tremendous review. Next thing, the pair of them are coming on um, that weekly satellite TV show. Oh, see, here you go. This was, he was on TV at the time. <laughs> that's, that's what this story's coming to. My show, The Monsters of Rock. This yeah. is about Monsters of Rock. Yeah. Oh, a TV seamless. Show seamless. Seamless. That's why I am a professional. Yeah. See, that, a professional yeah. 
podcast. Yes. Um, anyway, we used to record the show on a Thursday morning at 10 a.m. And it would be shown at like midnight on a Friday or something. And then they would show it like 10 <laughs> times peak, peak, a week. peak hours. Peak, peak for peak for my people. Yeah, that's what they said to your manager. They said, we've got him, we've got him the best <laughs> slot. They we were here at 1 a.m. on so um, getting rock stars to the studio for 10 a.m. in those days was no easy feat. No. Um, quite often, uh, me and whoever was on would be so horrendously hung over that you'd have these incredibly sort of low-key interviews. And then there were times like with Jolyn Turner and Ingve Malmsteen where they turned up early. They got there before yeah. I did. Oh, right. And when I got there, they went, oh, they're, they're already here. I'm like, oh, right, okay. They're keen, Good. I said, where are they? They went, they're in the toilet. I went, what, together? They went, yeah, they've been in there about half an hour. I'm like, oh, no, here we go. It's not even 10 a.m. Yeah, yeah. And they came out. And I know Joe, you know, his eyebrows were a movable feast, but they were way up on his fucking head. The wig is practically levitating. And Inve, who's got the big hair, but it looks like, you know, the doors yeah. on a Lamborghini, it's like <laughs> yeah. this. And they're like, hi, Mick, hi, Mick. <laughs> and I, I'm a cup of tea, 10 a.m. I'm like, oh, yeah. no, no. Yeah. So we, we record the interview, and they're both like this, straight back. Yeah, to, yeah. No, I recorded this album, and I was really, the best album mm. I've ever done. And, Absolute fucking nightmare. But um, Jesus, how yeah. did we get onto that? I don't know. I don't know. Monsters of Rock. <laughs> That's it. We're back to that. So uh, I think you're right. Rainbow and Graham Bonnet. Um, I, I was... April Wine were on. I believe Saxon were on. Yeah, that's true. Saxon, um, yeah. Yeah, that was that. We, we, we should really look it up. But that's how it started. It, it... <laughs> <laughs> no, here's... <laughs> You know on the radio where they go, get involved. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we would like listeners right now to yeah. get involved yeah. and fucking Google it, mate. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Who can do it? It started up. Rainbow did it. I think it almost happened in the order of the first Kerrang! covers. <laughs> the first Kerrang! cover. No, slightly the wrong way around. Rainbow were on the second ever Kerrang! cover. It was, next year it was probably ACDC who yeah. were on the first ever Kerrang! cover. Mm. Yeah, so maybe they were doing it that way around, uh, something like that. I I'm just going to confess and say I'm drawing a blank on those early ones. Yeah. I think Status Quo. The Quo, yeah, 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 Status Quo. Yeah. Those sort of bands did it because it Triumph, probably. Triumph did everything, didn't they? Those. And because Reading had become, it was three days and you would bring a tent and yeah. a Party 7 can of yeah. disgusting beer and roll around in the mud like hogs listening to the Stranglers. The Enid. And, and, and the Enid. Enid they were always on. Yeah. And um, it would be someone awful like, uh, you know, Frank Marino's blues band or something. You, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, of course, one always has a soft spot. Oh, it's fab- I don't mean Frank. I mean, and, he, and their new quadruple about the whole, live the whole album genre. Tokyo. It was just like Reading, you'd sort of, that's where you'd see bands you'd read about in the music press, but had never really... And then and decided yeah. they were a bit shit. Yeah, they're just all right, you know, but you'd see them at yeah. Reading because there were 57 bands you'd, on each day. But t- this is before festivals had different stages. That's the other thing we should That's say. Right. Reading had two stages, but only they were next to each other. And that was just so people could, you know, be breaking up and setting, down, setting up on one while 
they, they played on the other. So it wasn't like this festivals now where you wonder, oh, here's the Avalon stage <laughs> where there's some uh, DJ doing yeah. rubbish. You know, yeah. it, it's, yeah. it's... None it's, of that nonsense. None of that. It's proper festival. Yeah. One Donington. There's one stage, right? You only got to look in one, one place. One fucking stage. You'd look in one direction all day. One kind of if you burger. Get, if you get in... Right, and you, you're looking in one direction. Just keep looking in that direction. You will see Donington. That's right. You'll see the whole festival. Well, you'll hear it before you'll, you see it. Yeah. Well, no, that was the thing. Was it was always slightly behind, wasn't it? Because there's a sort I, of tower halfway down, which, which, yeah. given the old style yeah. technology, which was just a yeah. wire that yeah. connected it. Yeah. You just, you yeah. know, on stage would be, you know, all night lights, like, so, uh, 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 and then. A millisecond later. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs> sound. You got the feeling sound wasn't yeah. top of top the of list the of, of, of Top of the bill was how much is the ticket? You know, yeah. How much do I get for the ticket? How much grease can I have on that burger? Yeah. Um, that portaloo oh. looks like it's looks like it's. They it's treated. Been raped. They did treat people like animals in those days. Completely. Yeah. And, and I think we there were, were no better f- people for it. Yeah, frankly. we were. That was true yeah. rock there, festivals. In all seriousness, there was a kind of, you know, wartime spirit about going to a festival, wasn't there? Because it was a long day. It was a long day. If you were a fan, you want to be at the front because your favourite band was headlining. Yeah. You had to be there at kind of 10 in the morning. Maybe, well, did. when the doors opened, when the gates opened, you whatever did. it was. But, but this is what I was going to say about Reading. You, you turn up on a Friday, and by Saturday morning, you just want to go home. Yeah. Because yeah. you're cold, you're yeah. miserable. Yeah. You've been living on beer and shit burgers, yeah. and you're dying for a crap. You've had the two good. You've crap. had the two good hours. You've had the two fun hours you're going to have. And now it's raining. Now you're just holding. You just on. want to go home. Yeah, simple you're just as. holding on. Um, Donington was one action-packed day. No tents. Yeah. No camping. Yeah. And in the early days, you could uh, the, the 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 big kind of selling point was if you turn up on the day. You, can come, you in. come in, yeah, yeah, yeah. None of this buying. I mean, you could buy tickets in advance, yeah. but if you're in, if you're in the vicinity and you hear the siren call, yeah, pitch up, mate. Yeah, you'll get you come, in. yeah. And um, the first one I went to was in 1984, right? And it was. Uh, it, it's weird because I remember turning up really clearly. And that's about the last memory I have. And I I will tell you quickly the story of me turning up. I um, went with Crusher, our old friend Crusher. Yes. This is 1984. He was still known as Steve Jewell in those days. (laughs) Yes. Um, And it was because for fun, I used to always call him Crusher in front Mm. of people. And he used to beg me not to. Can you believe this? But anyway, so he had this uh, Honda, this green Honda. He used to I remember the, the green, green machine. The green, the green machine, machine. That never worked. <laughs> yeah. It would sit outside yeah. the block of flats where he yeah. lived, Terror Tower. Yeah. And it never worked. Mm. And then like the TARDIS escaping a planet that was exploding. Once a year, he'd get this fucking piece of shit <laughs> to work and off he'd go to Donington. Yeah. I remember this time we went... Um, I was homeless at the time, so I was sleeping on his couch. And we loaded up on the Saturday morning. Kelly Pike lived in the... Kelly Pike was a a music journalist in her own right and by this point was a a very successful publicist with A&M Records. But she lived in the same terror tower as we did. And so for whatever reason, she must have had a a group on that day. She came with us. And um, I remember we loaded up the green machine 
with cases and cases of lager. We bought a bottle of old granddad whiskey. We bought a bottle of, um, not tequila, the other one. Uh, mezcal. Mezcal with the worm. The worm in the bottom. Yeah. Hallucinogenic and, worms. <laughs> yeah. But the truth was you just so pissed by <laughs> Yeah. All, Got to all, the end of the all bottle. All of the above yeah. is true. But we also had a big bag of weed and uh, a big supply of cocaine. Right, yeah. And So you were ready, I mean... We were ready. Yeah. Oh, we were ready. Yeah. We were ready before we got into the car. Yeah, yeah. So we get into this car. Can you imagine? I mean, I think by the time we got to Donington, about lunchtime, uh, the first band was on when we got there, and we'd already done at least one bottle of mezcal, God knows how many beers, smoking, smoking, spilling cocaine everywhere, trying to get up your nose on the M4 at 80 miles an hour. Don't be on the M... Mate, the M4 goes to Wales. No wonder you uh, fucking uh, missed it. What's the one going you to want Donington? The, you want the M1, M1 mate. M1, yeah. That was, that was the whole point of Donington, was it was that you just had to go on the M1. Just the one road, that's all you need to remember. Junction this 23, off you go. This yeah. is all true. It was right by the motorway junction. This is a, seriously, that was the point of why they chose it. It was right on the junction of right. the motorway. You right. could not miss it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, um, Crusher, uh, because he hadn't, he wasn't used to getting backstage passes and yeah. that kind of. He became used to it very soon after. Very quickly, you do become quickly used to it. after. Let me tell you, you do become used to it very quickly, <laughs> and it becomes very hard when you then don't get backstage well, passes. Well, that things. breaks your heart. You know, it does. But you've gone from VIP to. Sorry, who are you? You're not N- on the list. NIP. Are you? Are you <laughs> but because he's in this early days of a, a pass, obviously means you're very yeah. special, which it doesn't yeah. to the security people. Yeah. And um, we're looking for the VIP or the backstage. Um, <laughs> VIP, yeah. The uh, uh, car park. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and as you drive into Donington, all the stewards would be telling you to go that way. Yeah. And Crush would be leaning out the window going, VIP, you <laughs> fucking wanker! <laughs> you know, but I'm going, call it, Crush, call yeah. it, call it, man. But we got there, and I remember I was so gone. And it's like 1.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. I remember falling out of the car and literally on hands and knees up to the bit where you go in. <laughs> yeah. And they're going, you're right, man. Like, Show them the past. Yeah, in you go. And I would literally, <laughs> hands and knees. I then crashed out. Gary Moore was playing. Oh, I, I was yeah. down to review two bands. <laughs> One was Y and T, who yeah. already played and gone by the time I got there. <laughs> and the other one was Gary Moore, for which I was unconscious, yeah. face down. Amazingly, in the they both got great reviews. Funny you should say that, <laughs> because um, I, I had to ask, say to people after, I'm, I'm supposed to, was he good? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was great. Oh, that's good. And Kerrang uh, afterwards would always run a big, Big spread on Donington. And, yeah, yeah. And you'd get... To, that year, I think ACDC headlined 84, right. whatever. Yeah. They did it loads of times, didn't they? Yeah. And there'd be like this enormous review of ACDC. I think Van Halen were on that year. Yeah. Enormous review of Van Halen. By people who were conscious. Conscious and actually <laughs> yeah. at the show yeah. watching the band. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then big reviews of whoever else. And then Y&T was like... A, <laughs> I'm, I'm holding up about an inch of space yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tiny review. And the first part of that was Y&T, an American band whose singer is and drummer is and so, yeah. Uh, uh, Research, as it's known. Absolutely. Uh, sonic 
uh, what, what would you say? In Sonic. Searing guitar song. Yeah, oh, terrific guitar song. for bass. It. Known for it. Uh, thumping drums. Yeah, I thought the vocal, vocal. vocals a bit low in the mix. Yeah, the sound was I, a I bit pers- I personally didn't hear it that well. <laughs> That's how bad yeah. the sound was. Yeah. I was still on the M1. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it, so I blame the band. Yeah, yeah. And then Gary Moore... Or as Ross always used to call him, Gary Snore. Yes, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Um, Old sausage fingers is back. Yeah. Massive hands, Gary Moore, didn't he? He did, and a big massive scar on his yeah. face. Yeah. Um, yeah, I. who fucking knows? But again, tiny review, yeah. but, but very praiseworthy. But, yeah. Well done, Gary, yeah. as I pulled the mud out <laughs> yeah. of my hair, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's more or less all I remember apart from then trying to leave the site several hours later with Crusher screaming at people to get out of his way. <laughs> yeah. By which time every last drop was gone. All the drugs yeah. had gone, everything. Poor old Kelly Pike still in the back, you know, yeah. looking like something out of The Walking Dead. Because um, c- in years to come, we would stay in the hotel. That's right. We? Well, we should. I suppose we should sort of slightly paint the the scene at this point. There was a great harmony between Kerrang and the Monsters of Rock Festival, because you know both British, both the only thing that really com- catered to that market, Absolutely. which was a huge market. But there's no one else in it. So when Donington came along. The, uh, Kerrang would be offered as you know, basically as you know, sounds would get a couple of backstage passes because they only had a couple of writers who were interested. But Kerrang, everyone would be invited. Everybody wanted they, to go. Yeah, everyone wanted to go. It was a big weekend away. Everyone would be invited, and credit to them, it, they'd invite the ad ad sales people because they'd spent all year doing deals to do the the ad campaign for Donington and all the rest of it. The the greater part of my year was taken up with trying to as news editor would guess which bands were going to be playing you know sometimes you'd know or you'd know the headliner but you'd hear rumors of other bands and i'd have to call morris jones who was the miserable promoter of donnington <laughs> and ask him with his miserable a, a, a voice born midlands yeah person. i mean the you know the guy not to say that people did, from he, midlands what, are he, miserable in he any was, way shape morris jones was not a ray of sunshine no. And particularly when I rang him up because I was trying to put out news that he didn't want people to know. Why he didn't want them to know? Who, who, <laughs> who knows? Who cares if anyone knows who's on it? It's more exciting if you do know, isn't it? But uh, so you try, oh, you know, Morris, uh, you know, oh, speak to, you know, I'd have a good sort of like speaking to probably Ross, but Ross had been speaking to Peter Mench. You know, Hear Metallica on. <laughs> uh, who told you that? You know, it, it was just miserable. But anyway, so... I'm be, sound like a donor, but there'd be this big, huge build-up to Donington, and then the passes would arrive in the office. You know, a big envelope full of passes, and give them out. You have your name on, and all that. It was great. Do you remember we had a Kerrang tent there? That was right. So it got to the point where the backstage got bigger and bigger. As the festival got bigger, the backstage area, which was fenced off with romantic <laughs> barbed wire and huge, you know, uh, corrugated iron panels. Yeah. yeah. Um, got bigger, and there would be yeah, hospitality tents, and yeah. you know if I EMI if I if, what is that? if I made more headlining, the biggest hospitality tent would be EMI, and they would give you a wristband for that tent, yeah. and if you got the wristband, you could go in and out of that tent whenever you wanted. The food was free, the drink was free, yeah. and, and so on and so forth, and down and down and down till you got to whoever was on the bottom of it. When their record company was smaller, but Kerrang would also have a tent, yeah. and would also have wristbands to distribute. Yeah. And so if you got a, you know, all of a sudden we we 
jumped the fence and were like, oh, can you, people would be asked, can you get me a wristband? Can you get me into the Kerrang? You know, the wild hearts or someone. <laughs> can you get me into the Kerrang tent? You know. Yeah, choir, sure. You mean the choir boys? The, the, probably, the, yeah, yeah, the choir boys. It would, yeah. be, it would be those guys because they, they hadn't yet made it or whatever. But they were all nice. They were your mates, weren't they? you sort of seen them all year. So, you, yeah, come into the tent. And they would get their day out, so they would drink all day. And then... Oh, just uh, as we mentioned, the site was picked for its centrality. You know, if you come from the north, you just dra- drive down the M1. You come from the south, you just drive up the M1. You you come to both of you come to Donington eventually. It's quite handy for Morris as yeah. well as he, he lived. Uh, he, up lived there. <laughs> he lived in a, in a village. Coincidentally, Morris lived in a village called Donington, I believe. Yeah, yeah. in a in a castle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He lived in a castle yeah. in a place called yeah, Donington. Donington. Yeah, so amazing. Yeah, but uh, the. Um, uh, the, oh, I've lost my train. The other, the other thing worth saying was everyone right. There were two hotels. Oh yeah, the, there were two, there was the Novotel and the oh. the other one that I never got to. No, I think the other one was slightly posher. Might have been the post house. It was the post, post house. house. It, wasn't it was the post house. It was No, they're both. They just between, motor. Yeah, they just motorway hotels. And they you'd weren't go between the two. These weren't the usual hotel. There wasn't the Sunset Marquee. No, the Sunset Marquee no. ain't in Donington, no, mate. No, you know, no. they're they're the classic. You're driving along. You're tired. I'm yeah. stopping for the night because I've got to go to Scotland, or I'm coming from Scotland. I've got to go to London. I'll book the post house or the no. That was its business for 51 weeks of the year. But not the 52nd week of the year, <laughs> they were fully booked out with with uh, rock stars, yeah. would be rock stars, yeah. rock would be rock stars. Because I think, in all truth, the joking about the helicopter, the the big bands didn't stay on site. I don't think. Maybe you're right. No, I don't. The, the really to me, ones. I never saw. I never saw, you know, David Lee Roth in the post house staying. He might no, have been at the true, bar. That's true. But I do remember seeing Bon Jovi, Metallica. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they were lower on the bill yeah, at that point. Yeah. But I remember one um, uh, classic occasion, which year? 80, I want to say 85, but I, I can't remember. Um, I think Bon Jovi headlined in 87. Yeah. 87, anyway, I want to say 87 because Slippery was the year before. And I think that it was, been... yeah. 87 was the first year I went, and I, I, again, have very little memory of who was on. So I'm pretty sure Bon Jovi were lower on the bill in 85. But I can remember this, um, being in the bar at the Novotel, because uh, by this point, I think, we, we'd started even going on the Friday. Yeah. Oh, no, you were going on the Friday. Friday night. Yeah, 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 the Friday night, yeah. Fest on the Saturday, yeah. come back Saturday night even more. Worn oh, out, you yeah, know. and going on Sunday, yeah. And I remember sitting with a bunch of Kerrang people and other various hangers-on, and John Bon Jovi, who I'd interviewed, uh, I don't know, some a little time before, they weren't had no hits yet, and he was still in his bouncy puppy stage. Yeah. And uh, he was coming through the bar, and he saw me, and he was like, hey, you know, man. I'm like, Dude. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, yeah. you mates. Yeah. Know? And uh, I said, how's it going? He goes, oh, man, I got a new pair of Chelsea boots. And, oh, it's really crazy. I'm having a great time. And it's like, mm. okay, mate, off you go. Pat him on the head and yeah. like, leave the men yeah. now to drink. Yeah. Okay. Two years later, they're headlining. And they have their own compound backstage. Yes. So you can get backstage. Yeah. You can get into the VIP bit. And then beyond that yeah. is the compound for the headline band. And um, uh, I find myself in the compound for the headline band because I'm doing a little piece for Radio 1 where they, in those days it was like a reel-to-reel. 
so big day today, John, you know, that kind of crap. And um, I'd been spending, I don't know what the story was, but I think probably it was in America. I'd spent a lot of that year away and I hadn't followed the the curve of of Bon Jovi at Mm. all. I knew Slippery had come out in the summer of 86 or whenever it was, Um, but it's now August 87 and I haven't been staying with it, you know. Uh, all I know is is that two nights before Donington, they're on top of the pops doing Never Say Goodbye. Right, It's yeah. like the final, final single from yeah. Slippery. Thank and I God. Just, yeah, and I just kind of just caught it as a glimpse. And I literally thought, oh, they've got a new single out. Must be an album. Must, oh, must, there must fucks. be a new Yeah, so you screwed it, yeah. So I, in the afternoon, a sunny I go back, I'm Radio 1, I'm like, hi, John. You're with yeah. Whoa, hug, hug, you know. And I said, by the way, I love the new album. And he went, what new album? And I went, your new album? Yeah. He went, I haven't got a new album. And I went, <laughs> no, I know that. I mean, yeah, I yeah, know yeah, that. Yeah, of course I, yeah. Did yeah. I say album? Yeah. I meant boots, <laughs> your new boots. <laughs> love your boots. This is all, as we're doing the Radio 1 thing. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was... It was teeth grinding. Yeah, yeah. 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 I hadn't meant any harm. No, but it's a research issue. I mean, you get <laughs> to go back and fire your researcher. My people yeah. clearly hadn't done their job. No, no. Or I would never have found myself in that toe curling <laughs> situation, embarrassing situation. Yeah, yeah. But he was always so. By that point, he was always very, very serious, businesslike. Really, well, he had the idea. I mean, I, you know how much of this is true or not, you never know. He had the idea that he was sort of like Bruce Springsteen, didn't he? Well, he wanted to be Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, in his mind, he was like, Bruce was doing The River and John was doing New Jersey or whatever it was. Yeah, Bruce was doing Born to Run uh, and and John was doing Bad Medicine. Oh, that's right, yeah. Similar. Same things. Similar. Yeah. Bad Medicine. Yeah. Born to run. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. Baby yeah. tramps like yeah. us. Yeah. He was born. doing all that. He had the... the... But what he didn't realise, though, was that he's... Really, he was Joey Tempest. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, what right, he yeah. didn't That's what he was grasp. good at. But this is the thing about... You know, we've said on previous episodes, but they always want the thing they can't have. Yeah. The big bands want the artistic, yeah. you know, kudos and the... But what Bon Jovi was great at was looking amazing and singing hit songs. Yeah. That's what he, yeah, that's what he was good at. Lay your hands. Yeah, well, that was great. You know, you don't need, you don't need to be writing stolen car or darkness on the edge of town. You don't need. Bruce is doing that. You do do your thing. Call it a day. Exactly. Richie Richie Sambora got it, didn't he? I mean, he's 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 married married to the umpteenth model, and you know, Heather Locklear. Heather Locklear. Yeah. What a girl. What's her name that was with Tommy Cher? Cher? Yeah. Mate, if you could sire Cher. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was a kind of all-American woman that would school a young boy. School the younger rock star in the ways of righteousness. And and sweet love. Yeah, exactly. That's right. And Richie was a keen... If I could turn back time, I'd do the same. (laughs) If I had my time again, me and Cher... Yeah. <laughs> I tell you another um wonderful memory I have of Donington was uh, uh it all blurs into one but it, it was the year Ozzy was 
on, and I think he was like third on the bill. So I'm going to say 86 for argument's sake. And it was the height of bottle throwing. Yeah, piss. People throwing, would yeah. piss in bottles yeah. or, or plastic. Because again, because they, they, they couldn't. This, there was nowhere else to. This piss. builds into the the great tragedy that we will mention. This is an upbeat podcast. We'll talk about it a little bit. Um, but yeah, at the time you would go in there, and this is this is no reflection on Donington as a festival as and of itself because all festivals were like that mm. such as they were you just let people in there was you know there wasn't the sort of health and safety considerations that there are today well, and and rock you fans would, were considered cattle. yeah it was the same in football grounds it was exactly the exactly. same in football grounds and they had their tragedies um in the same way in that when you went to those massive events you were treated in a certain way in england in britain and you know that it had its tragedies, and you at Donington, you would if you were at the front, you and same with Reading, you were packed in. Oh yeah. And so if you needed to piss, you either pissed in your jeans or you pissed in a bottle, and you know if you if you're pissing in a bottle, you're probably pissed. So you'd then chuck the bottle at someone. Well, if you're probably waiting there. for the band you don't like. I know. Oh, it's a live and up Marillion set. <laughs> there you go, fish. Well, have that. The, the- <laughs> <laughs> the bands, the bands would start so here at I am one once or one thirty, but the punters have been there since nine a.m. or whenever yeah, the gates. Yeah, you know. yeah. And eight hours of that, uh, and you lose all trace of humanity. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, I remember Ozzy saying to me um, that that year the sun had come out. They've been pissing with yeah. rain. There's the other thing about Donington. It always rained, it didn't was it? That's astonishing. Rain. Middle of August. <laughs> Guaranteed rain. Guaranteed you want to know what rain. day of the year? You want to go into a bookmaker and guaranteed rain. Um, and he said to me, uh, he goes, he goes, uh, that all that mud earlier. He goes, the crowd just sank into it. He goes, but now the sun's out again. He goes, they're starting to pop out the ground <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah. He goes, it's fucking great. But the bombardment was so bad. It was the year that bad news are on the bill. Oh as well, yeah, and they, yeah. And Tommy Vance, the the late great uh, rock DJ went out in an American um, football helmet. Yeah, yeah. And literally cans and bottles were bouncing off his helmet. Yeah. And he was a much-loved yeah. figure in the rock yeah. community. And everybody was shitting it. And then Ozzy was about to go on. And he's like, oh, I don't give a fuck. So he went out there and literally the first bottle of piss that landed at his feet, he picked it up and he drank oh, it. Oh, man. And at that point, he was, and then he was like, more, more. Yeah. And they stopped. Yeah. They went, this guy's fucking madder than us. Yeah. Uh, and, and he had a sensational set. He yeah. was like the takeaway from that day. Yeah. He was amazing. And um, I still can't remember who was headlining that year, but um, uh, I just remember him. And he, he was, he, it was like he had a special superpower. Yeah, he was uh, one of those guys who just, you know, he was a real man crap. of the people. Yeah, yeah. I think it is that common touch, isn't it? That uh, not everyone has it. Because a lot of the American bands... Well, actually, no. The band that really got it at Donington, got it badly at Donington, was Def Leppard. Because they were presumed to be... And this sure was it wasn't a, Reading? I thought it was Donington. We should have done our research. <laughs> I'm sure it was Donington. They were presumed to be American... They knew they weren't American, but they were, you know, they'd been big in America. I'm now going to turn on I think, my. No, it's Reading. It I'm going to turn Reading. on my mobile phone. Gonna, we're going to fight over this, aren't we? We are. Well, we're going to fight <laughs> until this phone comes. Well, while, on. while you check but anyway, that, let me but, tell, but this, let me tell yeah, a mud story. Yeah, go on. Okay, not Donington, seeing as you've switched festivals. In 1985, when Deep Purple did Nebworth, 
and it was the it was the reformation of Mark II, Deep Purple with right. Gillan Blackmore. Yeah, and they did Nebworth, uh, mm. and Nebworth was even more of a crowning achievement. Yeah, yeah, because Zeppelin had sort of set it up as such. Absolutely. Anyway, it was a dreadful bill. Meatloaf on Meatloaf got bottled off, and and probably Magnum and a few others, and and then finally Deep Purple. Talk about rain. When I when I left the festival that day, up to my armpits was just mud. Yeah. But I remember standing on a table in the guest area to look at the stage, and you got a perfect view. But then within about three numbers, you realise you could barely see over people's heads. The table had sunk into the God. mud right up to the the tabletop. Yeah. And um, that was when you knew you were in some kind of festival hell. Yeah. Right, you're going well, to... Gonna... While, while I'm Googling that, I mean, maybe you could say a bit... I mean, 1988 was the year yeah. of... I mean, I think the Kerrang! issue that came out probably on the Tuesday afterwards just had a picture of the crowd on the front and the headline, I think, was the tri- Donington, the triumph and the tragedy. Yeah. Which I was thinking about this morning, thinking maybe even that was slightly misplaced because... Really, it was just a tragedy. You know, in this day and age, if that had happened, I think the gig would have been called off. You might well be right. I think it, it also there would have been no hiding it because of no. phones. Yeah, everyone uh, would have known. Everybody would yeah. have known. Everybody yeah. in the crowd, everybody backstage. I was there. I didn't know anything about it no. until the end of the day. No, that's right. Yeah, They hid yeah. it from everybody. And what we're talking about, of course, is the death of two fans who were trampled to death in the mud at the front of the stage uh, when uh, during the Guns N' Roses set because uh, because they, they were... Were they the first band on that year? First they were second? second on. And what had happened, obviously, between them being booked and the festival was Appetite for Destruction. I mean, they pr- it had probably even come out when they were booked, but... Appetite, as everyone knows, took about took a, six months to, or whatever it was, a it year, was like whatever, a year before, a year it, before it took. One. But then I think... I mean, again, we should have done a bit more research, but they might have even been up to Sweet Child of Mine having been a hit by that point. They were, um, I can yeah. remember it. Yeah. I've so, I mean, yeah. Right so, I mean, that, they, they, yeah, that's their biggest song, isn't it? Their biggest song was a worldwide hit. Yeah. So, instead of moving them up the bill, they stayed for the lunchtime set, second band on, and everyone in that in yeah. that arena wanted to see them yeah. they were the they, they could they, have headlined yeah they were probably the biggest band in the world already at yeah. that point oh, yeah. no absolutely and yeah. they were the coolest and they were the yeah. one everybody wanted to see yeah. and everyone wanted to say they had seen and um dreadful windy wet day lots of mud and these two kids uh were trampled to death yeah um it was a mind-blowing tragedy but because of the nature of the times where I think only very rich people even had a brick-like mobile phone. Hang on, John's showing me his... Uh... I'm showing you my victory is about to be <laughs> proclaimed. <laughs> According to John's dodgy uh, information gatherer... A Fo- phone I got in... <laughs> Def Leppard <laughs> appeared on phone the bill of the 1986... So Ozzy was the headliner that year. Well, I'll be damned. I said he was like third on the bill. No, he was the headliner. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry about that. Ozzy. And bad. That was the bad news year. Yeah. No. That but was I've the... got a feeling. I've got a feeling that was at the point where Leopard, you know, they they made a kind of triumphant return slightly later. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I can't, the I the could festival be wrong. I'm thinking of is is Reading. Maybe, there was a dreadful yeah, yeah. appearance at Reading. Um, 
after their first album, second album had been a hit. And, um, yeah, but they weren't big in America by that point, were no, they? No, they were, they were. They, oh, were they? they okay. Yeah, they got big in America. And that, that was the whole point. Oh, Def Leppard of Flash Bastards, ah, right. sold out to America, Yeah, yada, yada. Yeah, you're right about 86. But Hysteria didn't come out till 87, so... No. That's and the, why so, so the, the Yeah, bill. so the 87 lineup, Bon Jovi, and then I can't believe you don't remember because your old mate was second on the bill. Who's that then? Dio. What year? 1987. Second on the bill, Dio. Third on the oh, bill. Oh, 87. Yeah. Sorry, yes. Bon Jovi headline. That's what I was just saying. Yes. Listen Dio's up. Open. Listen up. 1987. Do you remember that? <laughs> bon Jovi, Dio, Metallica. Yes. And, and that was the year Metallica got pissed off because Bon Jovi flew over the crowd <laughs> during their <laughs> yeah. set. Yeah. And forever after, I don't know about forever after, yeah. But no, right after do. that, James, James Hetfield do. always used to write on his guitar, kill Bon Jovi. Yeah. And that stayed there for quite a few years. <laughs> I remember John Bon Jovi saying to me, no, we didn't do it deliberately, man. Yeah, no, of course. Because yeah, no. John well, Bon Jovi's never upstaged yeah. anybody. No. Just because Metallica were like the coolest yeah. band in the world at that point. Yeah. Purely a coincidence. Yeah. That's what I say. Yeah. And then, and then Anthrax, Wasp. Cinderella. Cinderella. Our old pals, my chums. Larry Mazer was probably there. I was probably avoiding Larry Mazer. That's why I forgot they were on. I like Larry Mazer. I remember having. Oh, I like. I, I don't. I, I remember having against. lunch with him at the Sunset Marquee. <laughs> yeah. And he was this is why me, you liked him. He was. He bought lunch. I yeah. loved him. He was a good man. Um, he he was telling me about the new Cinderella video, right? And it, was it what was that? So long winter or long long winter? cold winter? Long cold. Was I that, think this was the one the argument was about. Oh, okay. And he said, oh, man, he goes, oh, no, it wasn't the video. He goes, planning the stage show. And when they come out and do Long Cold Winter, we've got snow coming from the wings. Mm. And, and, and I'm sitting with Ross, and Ross is just <laughs> yawning in his face. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's really original. Yeah. Snow. Long Cold. Yeah, I get it, Larry. <laughs> I remember Larry said, mm. Dave Thorne was the big A&R guy in London. He goes... Well, Dave Thorne loves it. And Ross goes, Dave, you're. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we must do dear. an episode on well, Ross We should just day. do a Ross episode, yeah. Because um, he is the master. Yeah. Uh, 1988, which is the year we're talking about. The, the year oh, well, of, to address, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah go on. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you who was on and then, because this makes sense. I can tell you. That's how good my memory is. Oh, because you just saw the phone. No, because, because I actually hosted those so shows who, in Europe. So who opened the show? In in the UK. In the UK. Yeah. Halloween. At Donington. Halloween. Halloween. Sorry, Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> Followed by Guns N' Roses. Yes, misplaced as, as we said. Followed by Megadeth. Megadeth, correct. Followed by Kiss. Almost. Oh, no, no, no. Followed by David Lee Roth. David Lee Roth. Followed by Kiss. Coming at you live yeah. between Nicky Steam and Eyes and Ears. And, uh, yeah, and then the Bloody Maiden. But obviously Ma- uh, Halloween were also managed by Rod Small, which their yes. place on the bill makes sense. But, but here's what I was going to say with that triumph and tragedy. Yes. Um, I actually think at the time that was a fairly accurate yeah. summing up because that... Um, in terms purely of the groups on the bill, how popular the event was, was probably the biggest and best Donington ever. 
Oh, yes. Other than the fact it was also the worst Donington ever because of the terrible deaths of these two kids, these poor, poor kids. I mean, um, you're absolutely right. If that happened now, the whole thing would be called off immediately. But back then, there there was no social media. Mobile phones barely existed. It was all radios, do you remember? People had radios. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Not radios, what do you call them? Uh, Walkie-talkies. Uh, backstage. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I'm and just they sorry. didn't. And they didn't tell Maiden. They didn't tell Kiss. They didn't tell David Lee Roth. They didn't tell any of the bands. That See, were that's go r- on. amazing, isn't it? Did they tell Guns and Roses? No. Really? Oh, hang on. Mm, Guns and Roses left the site not long after they finished their show, and I think there was. Um, I think they did talk to them when they were back at the hotel. But it was kind of like there wasn't. They weren't about to text anybody and tell them because there yeah. wasn't any. No, text. there was no text. That's right. No yeah. WhatsApp. Nothing. Now, John. Yes. You've got to put your phone away. I'm, because I'm just trying to. You know what? I, I'll do it in a minute. I will put do, the phone away. I, I'll do it in a minute. Step but I just away from the phone. I always do. I do. I don't like when. Uh, you know, a couple of people died. I think it's only fair to, to say who they were, so yeah. I'm just going to find yeah. their, their yeah. names. I yeah. think Landon Siggers was one from yes, memory. Yes, definitely. Yes. And, yeah, uh, so two... But, and uh, the, the cause of this was later, I think, ascertained to be there was a sort of natural slope going down towards the stage and it became incredibly muddy. And slippery. And slippery. And when Guns N' Roses came on, there was a big crowd surge towards the stage because they wanted to see them and that's what caused the problem and i think i've got a memory now that axel saw something was going on and was telling you was telling people to back off they stopped the show axel told people to back off and then his final words as they left the stage that day was don't kill yourself that's right Yeah, yeah 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 but here's the thing okay the other component of this and this is why where the triumph thing comes in, even though obviously an incredibly hollow statement at this point, it was the biggest Donington ever. It was the final year where you could just turn up and get in. And so many people, on the day, I remember being told there was 116,000 people there. But when it went to the inquest and the court, they toned it right down and said there was... Well, it was like the old football ground thing. You used to go to football matches back then and you'd see the attendance in the paper the next day. Yeah. And it'd be like 30 yeah. there. You think yeah. there were, you know, we, we well, were crammed in. Well, they ran out of tickets. So they were stamping people's yeah. hands to let them in. And apparently there was literally a, a, like a tribe of people still coming over the hills at like four in the afternoon. Yeah. It was just And this insane. is astonishing. And, you know, two, two people are known to have died. It was Alan Dick and Landon Siggers. One was 18, one was 20, so incredibly young. That's you know, It's a terrible thing. And, you know, it, and again, this isn't, you know, these were different times. It's not a reflection on the people involved at the time. But it is astonishing that the festival didn't stop. It really is. Because, who's, t- to, because who's to say it wouldn't happen again? I mean, it's happened once. What did they do to stop it happening again? Well, on on the day. One thing they did was restrict the attendance. No, no, I mean on the day. It's already happened once on the day. You You know, half the festival took place in darkness, didn't it? Because, you know, by the time the headlines. See, that's a really good point. I hadn't hadn't thought of that, but that is true. After that, they didn't have Donington the following year. 
It came back in 1990. And at that point, I think the the attendance was capped at yes. something like 72. Yeah. yeah. You could only get in if you had a prepaid ticket and uh, new kind of protocols were put in place. But I'll tell you the one thing that didn't change, and again, I remember this very well. I was doing um, Tommy Vance's Friday Rock Show, was broadcasting some of the concert, li- all of the concert live. And uh, as a sort of roving reporter, I was going around interviewing groups and people connected to the show. And at one point, um, I was doing an on-air piece about the merchandise. And, and it's just right at the end of the day before uh, the main band come on. And um, as the sun is going down. Mm. And I went back to where the, the merch people were. And they had... There were credit cards back then, obviously, but mostly people paid in cash, particularly younger rock fans. And they had these, they had about 15 or 20 plastic bins, not bin liners, mm. the old fashioned big, yeah. big tub, waist high. And they were shoving the cash into these bins. And they had so much cash that they were lifting up uh, members of the merchandising company and, wow. and bouncing them. So that they were like grapes. So yeah. they would stuff the cash lower and lower into these bins. And then and then the two men pushing on it and pushing. And then they'd get a lid and they'd be trying to put the lid on. Notes would be going <laughs> everywhere in the wind. And yeah, and I'm, I'm watching this. Wow. And, and I remember one yeah. of them saying, should he be here seeing this? No, oh, he's all right. He's Mick. He's yeah, okay. Yeah. But my eyes were popping out yeah, of my head. Yeah, yeah. There must have been, I don't know, a million pounds yeah. or something. So and, and that wasn't ticket money. That no, was the, on the day yeah. buying a shirt or yeah. whatever you bought, you know, your wristband. Yeah. Because or, you wonder, I mean, I don't know what the business deal was, but I know by the time Maiden did it, which was, you know, that year of 88, wasn't mm. it? Um, Rod had practically taken it over. You know, in terms of there will be a spe- there will be a Donington T-shirt, but yeah. there was also an Iron Maiden at Donington T-shirt. Absolutely. And there were yeah, there was the different Eddie and all those. And yeah, go on. What there was was the Iron Maiden stand, the grandstand. Do you remember that? Oh God, yeah. They yeah. built for the first time for lucky members of the press, so you could make sure you could see Iron Maiden set and. The flip side of that, Rod Smallwood could make sure he could see, see you were you, in your seat see watching you Iron, Maiden. Iron Maiden. And by yeah. the time that Iron Maiden set happened, it was cold. Yeah. And up in that stand was yeah. cold. It yeah. was freezing. Yeah. Because yeah. it was a typically British summer's typically night British in August. But yeah, but it had become by that point. And as you say, you were off on the tour, weren't you? Because the Monsters of Rock, though it started off in uh, in oh by now in it Donington, was a, big it was a Europe-wide festival. And in fact, the following year, 89, where it, when it didn't happen in um, England, mm. uh, it happened in America. Right. And, and we're kind of overlapping now back to the manager's episode because Sharon Osbourne had copyrighted or patented the phrase Monsters of Rock in America. Yeah. And in fact, Ozzy was supposed to have headlined the first Monsters of Rock tour in America. I can't remember what happened, but it didn't pan out. But she, uh, Jimmy Page, had just got back and uh, as part of some deal, his solo album was coming out, and as part of some deal he'd done, 
the merchandisers were showing him the mock-up of the event t-shirt for the first ever American Monsters of Rock. And it was Ozzy, because he was the headliner. But by the time the thing actually took off, Ozzy was no longer on the bill. In fact, it was Van Halen or Van Hagar. Yeah. Um, and Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, and, and it was the American Monsters of Rock show. Yeah. And, and Sharon told me, I said, so did you do a deal? She said, do you know what? I gave it to him just for that one year. MTV were involved. And she just decided she'd make more friends by saying, do you know what? You can use it. Wow. And the idea was it was going to be every year. Yeah. So I think she's thinking, this one's for you. And then yeah. next year when everybody loves me. That's for me. That's when you pay. That's for me, yeah. Which is, again, brilliant yeah, yeah. business well, it, sense. Well, the great thing Rod Smallders used to do was whenever I made and did Donington, it would be only UK show <laughs> yeah. this year. Yeah, yeah. It? And then the Monday after Donington, like clockwork, the phone would ring in the Kerrang office, Rod Smallders being on it. Such a massive success. The lads want to do a thank you tour. They want to thank the fans properly by, by going on tour. Yeah. And obviously, of course, it was because he didn't want to the, you know, mess the ticket sales up for, for either event. I love how they thank the fans by thank, taking by, even more of their money. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, John, that's my rock and roll dog in the background. Could you yeah. possibly pull that window closed? And I'm going to bring us uh, towards an ending here with, a, with another memory and i think that uh i've got to say poignant poignant but also silly and funny um donnington monsters of rock ceased to be kind of post grunge yeah it turned into another, another thing grunge ruined ruined yeah but it was known as the download yeah festival copo thought that didn't he andy copy well, what a man yeah. we'll talk about him another day but yeah. So I didn't, and this coincided with me uh, getting older and children. And anyway, a whole new generation comes along. Um, and in 2009, I went to the Download Festival, which basically Donington. Yeah. Same spot, except it's now 2009. It's not 1989. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Multiple stages. Yeah. The security were gentlemen. All of them, which is something you never got. You get yeah, these complete yeah. bastards kick your head in if you looked at them funny. And I remember being in a teepee <laughs> backstage, yeah. a teepee, a series of teepees, having sushi and cappuccino <laughs> before yeah. venturing out to maybe look at one of the 18 different stages yeah. or vegan environmentally bum-warming area. Yeah, And... It was exceedingly pleasant, but I thought this is so not the experience oh, of, yeah. of my youth. And here was the capper. I hadn't been to Donington or Download, whatever you want to call it, for, for nearly 20 years. And, um, of course, I'm meeting a lot of the bands. Talk about knowing you're old. Um, I wish I, who were the fucking bands that year? I can't remember, but... Pretty much, Def Leppard were on, and that was all right. They were my old mates, yeah. you know, that was a laugh. Of course, rock Although we're chums. all s- sitting around drinking cappuccinos as opposed to beers. Yeah, you know? yeah. But all the younger bands, uh, and some, oh yeah, uh, Down, Down with Phil and... Oh, Phil and Selma, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got introduced. Mick Wall, oh, it's an honour to meet you, sir. Oh. 
It's an honour to meet you, sir. What's wrong with that? I think. Well, you may as well just say, "Are you all right there, Granddad? Isn't it nice of you to come out in the fresh air now and again?" What do you mean? It's a fucking honour to meet me, you twat. I hope you said that. No, but I thought you thought it. No, I was so taken aback. The first time it happened, I thought, "Oh, well, you know, you know." But then everyone, "Oh, it's an honour to meet you, sir. No, it's great to meet you, sir." When did I turn into a sir? It yeah. was an honour to meet. Yeah, There's only one more, less dignified moment than that. And that was um, uh, buying a drink, eventually buying a drink, because no one was drinking. Uh. And I dropped some money on the ground. And a young woman swooped down <laughs> to pick it up for me. Went, there you go. Uh, yeah, there uh, you go. Yeah. I was outraged. I'm like... The fuck are you doing? I can get down and get my own money. Thank you. For, yeah. I, I didn't say that. No. But I'm saying it now, John. Yeah. I can. Un- I. I feel. It's eleven right. years I later. Feel, I'm I still. Feel, burning. Imagine if you went now. I mean, Jesus, what that would be like. Well, that would be different because. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I would want her to get yeah, the that's, money. Yeah, yeah. That's true. I, I suppose the one thing I, we haven't talked about that I think I, I associate Donington with. Oh, one person. And it isn't a person you'd immediately think of. That person is Marino. If you remember Marino of, of, of Marino and Lisa Dominique fame. Yeah, we're not talking about Frank Marino. We're, we're talking we're about not the e- less famous yeah, Marino. Well, in, yeah, yeah, less famous, yeah. And uh, Unless you were in prison with it. Yeah. <laughs> let's not let's yeah. discuss the... Uh, no, yeah. another, but, that's for another time. That's for another time. Another story, another yarn. But... He he, Marino was a great character on the scene. Lisa Dominique was, was his the, sister. His sister, and Lisa was the perennial winner of the Kerrang poll for sexiest woman. Lady killer. Lady, he was a well, lady, yeah, he was a lady killer. killer. Mainly because you know she'd do the photos and you know play play ball. You know she used to sit. Remember she used to sit, sit on, on Bomber, our publisher's Bomber lap. Bob Thrussell's lap. Yeah, kissing his head. Yeah. Craig had a Craig had this very old. I'm probably older than he was yeah, now, yeah. but he used to pick his change up. There you go. So you change on <laughs> the floor, Bob. Lisa would sit on Bob's lap. This very sexy, pretty blonde girl yeah. in hardly any clothes at yeah. all. She'd sit on his lap in the Craig or kiss his bald <laughs> head. Kiss his bald head, a big kiss, and he'd be smiling, wouldn't yeah. he? Oh, but he'd well, who wouldn't be smiling? Well, I'm smiling now. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> But, I mean, Marino and Lisa would always be in the crank office. Marino came in regular as crop because he used to take his little lad out in the We should the say back. they had a group. He was the guitarist. He was she the guitarist. Was the she singer. was the singer, yeah. And they and, were called Marino the band. That's right. And then, then Lisa went solo, but Marino was still the guitarist. And he had his sort of parallel solo career as a kind of Santana-style guitar player. Yeah. He was a very good and guitarist. He, he was a funny guy. You know, the, the point about Marino was he was funny. Yeah. And although he was sort of quite embittered by various people being more famous than him or what have Which you. And he, almost everybody. It was. <laughs> and he'd go on and on about, you know, uh, a gig at the marquee he had coming up or something. But he would take these little ads in the back of Kerrang! every week. So he was one of the people who'd get the parts, yeah. you know, yeah. get the could come to the crown. So he persuaded me that I didn't take much persuasion that he did. Cause I was good. You know, he was a funny guy. He used to, mm. used to make me laugh. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and we did, I mean, we did a couple of cl- going on tour with Lisa Dominique to Spain with Saxon 
was one of the great experiences. <laughs> it was just the most ridiculous tour on earth. But uh, that's a, a story for another time. But but uh, Mourinho decided he would, we'll drive up to Donington. And at the time I had to, I was a bit flush. You know, we used to get paid, we used to get a cheque every week from Kerrang. When I got offered the Kerrang, I'll tell you, tell the story now. When I offered the Kerrang news editor's job, right. the mag- he said the magazine had just gone weekly. Jeff, came, Jeff Barton came up to me and he goes, it's 250 quid an issue. Is that all right for you? And I, went, and I thought, 250 quid? It comes out every week. It's offering me 250. <laughs> Bear in mind, I've been getting about sort of 20 quid for an album review. You know? yeah. So, yeah, I think I, think I, can, I can see I can my, way, see my right. way clear to, to yeah. doing it for 250 quid a week. And it, every week, Bomber Bob would sign the checks, wouldn't he? And the, the publisher, you know, publisher would, would physically sign. If you don't know what a check is, <laughs> It's this old way of getting paid before we did it all electronically. And you get the check every week, little envelope with your name on you. So I, t- so I was a bit flat. So I had this uh, MG sports car. Oh, I remember. Do you remember? It's a red MG yeah. sports car. And by this point, Crusher's legendary Green car machine. park pass. Well, oh, no, they, oh, they, they, wanted, they used to send you a car park right. pass that you would stick in the car, you know. Yeah. So we go up to, I'm driving Marino up to, this a two-seater. So all the way up the M1, I've got Marino jawing away in my ear. <laughs> and we get up, we're, and you remember when you used to drive in, and it was like, because it was a racetrack, it's quite a long drive in, and all the kids would be, the kids, we were the same age as the kids, but all the, the fans would be walking in, and they'd all be looking to see whose car it was. And Marino had stuck the car park pass in so everyone could see it. You know, so you could see it. And they're looking and going, who is it? Who is it? And the sheer disappointment when they realised it was Marino, because it was quite a good car, you know, so they're thinking, oh, maybe it's, I don't know, someone halfway up the bill, you know, maybe it's Lars or someone, you know. But, but uh, no, it was Marino, no, it was Marino. from Marino but, but, the yeah, band. But he's got his sunglasses on. Of course he's he got, has. He, to the, he knew how to live, Marino. You know, he's always having a cigar <laughs> and a, a champagne and all the rest of it. And we're in the – and that year, God, it was a, you know, debauched year. And everyone stayed up. I don't know how we used to do it. Stayed up for – hours and hours and days and days on end so the friday night was a big party maybe you got a couple of a few hours sleep before the festival started then you went to the festival and it's all day and then it's back to the post house or whatever and as you say people would go between the two so it's this endlessly moving party and by the middle of the saturday night marino comes back in and he'd been outside, just gone outside. Because <laughs> why would you go outside in the Midlands in the middle, right. you know, at five o'clock in the morning? He'd gone outside. Me and Ray Palmer went to look for him. He'd been outside for so long. And he came back convinced he'd seen a werewolf. <laughs> He's convinced he'd seen a werewolf. I mean, that's how long we'd been up for. And then Malcolm Dome came out of some toilet or something. Just, and he was like... <laughs> He'd be unconscious it, in the yeah, toilet it was like for a, a few hours. Yeah, it was like an apparition. Yeah. You know, he'd just come back to like, it was like reanimator or something. <laughs> <laughs> Came out of the toilet covered in something. Sick. yeah. Whatever it was, yeah. God knows what it was. And that led to the, uh, the creation of Malcolm's Law, which I think we all thought up in the bar, with Malcolm, which was wherever you were... And whatever you were doing, Malcolm was somewhere worse, doing something worse. <laughs> and we were all about going, like four in the morning, ha, 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 ha. And that was how the sort of legends were made, wasn't yeah. it? And then you'd come back and write up view from the bar and it would be like the werewolf and the mad Malcolm appearing out of nowhere. 
And on that tremendously exciting note, uh, we we come to the end of another Get Your Rocks Off podcast. Uh, We'll join, I can say, you'll join us, I expect. I um, hope. um, Some other time. For something else. If you liked this episode, be sure to leave us a review, share it with a friend, or plain old subscribe wherever you happen to listen to it. For full episode show notes, visit nofilter.media forward slash get your rocks off. This has been a No Filter Media production. Say what you want.